Lord, everybody. message in January, and I still think it's a strong message. Hold on to hope. Amen. And um, when your hope is challenged, the best way to restore hope is to worship and praise the Lord, because the breath of God, the Holy Ghost power will be stirred inside you and will help you to be encouraged again and you will be able to sense the presence of the Lord in your worship. Hallelujah. Well, Thursday night, 7.33 here in New Jersey. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. So I don't forget, this Saturday will be outreach at 9.30 a.m. This Saturday will be outreach at 9.30 a.m. Hallelujah. Well, you going to help me pray tonight? Uh, um, yes, sir. Everybody else quiet. <laughs> well, we back up and running with the air condition. Bring your sweaters. One extreme to the next, man. <laughs> Bring your sweaters. Bring your jackets. chilly in here, and I think it, it might have just got up and running yesterday, so after it's been consistently running, it's going to get colder in here, so get ready. Hallelujah. Well, let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. Um, I challenge you tonight to pray and really submit yourself to the Lord and allow his spirit to take charge and to do something within you that when you're finished praying, that you will know that you had entered into his presence you have felt a touch from him. Something would have transpired supernaturally when you're done praying tonight. So let's go before him and ask him to help us tonight and touch us as individuals and allow his will to be done in our Bible study tonight. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Lord, we're gathered together tonight in your name. We're grateful, Lord God, and we're thankful for all of your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your love. You're so faithful, Lord God. And, oh, Lord Jesus, we're here tonight looking to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Oh, God, to speak to our heart, to help us, Lord God, to draw nigh unto you, to help us, almighty God, to receive, Lord God, from you everything that we need to have to continue to go forward. I pray, Father, that you will have your way in our heart, in our mind. We humble ourselves before you. We surrender to you. We ask that your spirit will take full control of our thoughts and our deeds tonight, Lord. Will you receive our worship and our praise, O oh God? For, Lord, we want your name to be praised and to be exalted, Lord. We want your will to be done, Lord God, in us and in your house, O oh God. Have your way tonight, Lord. We repent of our sins, Lord God. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord God, that you will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us, Lord, from all our unrighteousness. For, Lord, we want a clean heart, Lord God, a pure heart and clean hands, Lord God. We want the word of God to be 
imparted to us tonight with understanding and clarity, Lord. Have your way, Father. Let your spirit take full control and move upon us in a special way, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we want your spirit to guide us. We want your spirit to lead us. We want your spirit to have preeminence, Lord. We want your power to move among us, Lord. Oh, Father, will you strengthen us? Will you help us tonight, Lord God, to move from stagnation and complacency, oh God, into a deeper spiritual connection with you? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, we want to be connected to you. Lord, we want to be in your presence. We want your power, Lord God, to overshadow us. We will abide in you, oh God, if you will. And we, your word will abide in us tonight, Lord God. Help us tonight to not just be hearers of your word, but to be hearers and doers of your word. Speak to us, oh God. Let the Holy Ghost, Lord, take full control in us, Lord God. Let your Holy Ghost have preeminence tonight. Lord, I praise you. I praise you, oh great God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Jesus, have your way. Jesus, we magnify your name. Jesus, we give honor and praise to you. Will you place me tonight in the flow of your spirit and allow me to speak as your oracles and minister, Lord God, with passion and love and compassion, Lord. And will you touch our hearts? And Lord, as the word of God come forth, we will hear and respond in obedience and in faith, almighty God. Bless our time of being together, Lord. Pour out your spirit in this place. Move upon us, Lord God, in a special way as we give you the praise and the honor. We give you the praise and the honor. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. All these things we pray in your name, Lord. Let's give the Lord some praise in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, open up your mouth and bless the Lord. Open up your mouth and praise him. He's worthy. Jesus, you're worthy of all the praises. Oh, hallelujah. I will bless the Lord at all times. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, thank you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to first point out, I might have said some of this last week, but I want to say it again this week. You could possibly be in one of the greatest battle in your life with the devil. Because the devil do not want this church to go forward to accomplish what God has brought us to accomplish. The vision that God has given us, he does not want it to come to reality. But guess what? 
If God gave us the vision, the vision will come to reality and there's nothing the devil can do about it. But when you're in battle, there can be casualty. They don't have to be casualty, but there can be casualty. And I don't want any casualty as we take our rightful place in Christ and do what God has called us to do. I don't want to see any casualty. And so I'm going to talk to you tonight on a topic that I believe is very important for us to stay anchored in Christ and not allow the enemy to get us out of position and not allow the enemy to get the best of us. And so I pray that, you know, we always tease, you know, preachers will tease and, and say stuff like, you know, we always have faith, you know, for God to heal our bodies, but we don't have faith for God to give us $200,000, right? So, so sometimes we have to question and wonder that what we call faith, is it really faith? Because we trust God for certain things, but we don't trust him for other things. And so you got to wonder and say, what is that? You know, sometimes you got to talk to yourself and, and, and ask the Lord, what is that all about? Why do I, you know, trust you and, 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 and believe you for certain things, but other things I don't? And it's not a God thing, it's a your thing. <laughs> and you have to figure out what, why that is and what that is. Um, in, in some instances, as I've discovered, there are certain topics and certain subjects to us that are more, um, it, it's so close to us that it makes us emotional. And when we get emotional, we don't operate by faith or the word of God. We let emotion get the best of us. And that's, that's natural. I'm not telling you something is wrong with That's natural. But what we ought to do as Christians is when we know that we're not operating in faith and what's happening to us, we're so emotionally attached and that's just so natural, then guess what? We need to admit that to ourselves and say, right now, I am not operating in faith. So maybe what I'm saying and what I'm doing is not according to God's will because I'm emotional right now. I'm not spiritual. And I've had my times where I know I'm emotional. I'm not spiritual. I don't know if you have had that where you can identify it and say and keep it real with yourself and says, I'm emotional. I am not spiritual because all of us should have those times. And I point out to you, how do we know those times exist? And we talked about Abraham that is considered the father of faith. And he lied to Pharaoh because his emotion was challenged when Pharaoh, when he knew Pharaoh was going to take his wife from him. He was emotional. And he lied and says, oh, she's my sister. She's not my wife. And so all of us will have moments where we get so emotional that it will not be faith how we respond and what we do. So let's draw our attention tonight to the book of um, Romans, I believe. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verse Number one, I greet our online congregation tonight. Appreciate you tuning in. And I believe we have a word from the Lord that will help us here tonight. Um, a lot of times um, we hear the word of God and we say, God, I want to apply the word of God. And if we are honest with ourselves, we don't apply what we hear minister and preached and, uh, and taught to us. We don't apply it to our life as much as we should. So let's try to do a 
little bit better with what we will hear tonight. Romans chapter 14, verse number one. I'm going to read verses one through 13, and I'm going to read it in the NIV version. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Now, this is the church. This is not talking about outsiders. This word here is, is, is written unto the church. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. And he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man consider every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. I'll pause there to tell you, whatever we tend to believe or have conviction of, give each other credit that you have considered it and you are holding on tight to it because you believe something about it and that's why you're holding on so tight to it. But we don't want to make ourselves to to, to, to be like, oh, what I am holding on to is much better than what you're holding on to. <laughs> I'm going to help you tonight. Because I think that's where we get challenged, that we feel like our side is the most important side. Whatever the side that you're on, you believe that's the most important side. And again, that's natural. But what I am here tonight to do is to help you to say, that's not the way we're supposed to be. We cannot, in good gesture as Christians, always think our side is the right side. Verse 6, he who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and give thanks to God. Right, Brother Henry? We're not mad at you. We love you. You know I love you. So you eat whatever meat you want to eat, brother. For none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You, then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will stand, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. 
Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. <laughs> want to talk to you tonight on this topic, Christian liberty. Christian liberty. <laughs> in the early part of Paul's letter to the Romans, he expounds the fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith. In this latter part, he applies these doctrines to the problems and duties of the Christian daily life. In the Roman church, he is confronted as a minister of the gospel are often confronted. He was confronted. This is Paul was confronted. He was confronted with two antagonistic parties. The legal and the spiritual, the conservative and the liberal, or as he, Paul, terms them, the weak and the strong. Both had a case, and both was arguing for their case. How to reconcile these two parties in the one Christian church is the problem which Paul faced and had to address. That's me here tonight. Both parties recognize the Lord's authority. Both parties desire to accomplish the Lord's purpose. And both parties acknowledge the Lord's goodness toward them. But while there is good on both sides, there are on both sides a manifestation of evil. I have told you over and over again, whenever we are trying to make anybody do what we think they should do, that is ungodly. This is why I said we can't say we love by strong arming somebody. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he made us become Christians. For God so loved the world that he whipped us so we would become Christians. God died for us and left it up to us to make the decision whether we're going to be Christians or not. So where do we find ourselves as Christians demanding anything from anyone? The only thing we can demand, and we can't even demand it because people are going to do what they want, the only thing that we can demand is from ourselves. We can't demand anything from anyone that is grown. So when we begin to demand that people do things, we're in the wrong. And that's what the Bible is talking about by saying there's a little evil present, even though both parties were Christians, even though both parties loved God, even though both parties were, you know, in agreement with, you know, all the things of God that are right, they still was holding on to their position to say, we expect for this to be the right way. That's what they did. And if we're not talking doctrine, we don't have the right to tell somebody this is the way it needs to be. A spirit of uncharitableness is seen 
in the judgment of both. And to this, the apostle directs his teaching as he urges the exhortation. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. And so I say to our congregation, let us not judge each other anymore. If you weren't judging anybody, fantastic. But if you're judging somebody, let us not judge each other anymore. All of us as Christians are often in a different place spiritually. This is what the pastor usually knows when he pastors you. He knows that everybody's in a different place spiritually, so everybody cannot be treated the same. (laughs) Some of us are strong in the faith. (laughs) I just thought about one time that I got reamed out by my pastor. (laughs) So... (laughs) So I remember, you know, I'm, you know, I'm usually doing my thing, you know, making sure I'm serving. And I remember I'm doing my thing. And one day, Brother Baldwin, I don't know what he said to me. And I just snapped and went crazy on him. I, I never did that in the church before. But I straightened him out. And Brother Baldwin went down to Pastor Naylor's office. Pastor Naylor, I don't know what's wrong with Brother Wayne, but he, so Pastor Naylor came out of the office looking. So I went, I went downstairs. All he did was, you tired. You need to go get some rest. You tired. Go get some rest. He was never going to do that to somebody else. He knew I was tired because he knew I don't, snap, I don't usually snap. So why am I snapping? He tired. So he pulled me aside and said, go get some rest because you tired. Because that's not your normal way of doing things. My point is, when you're leading a congregation, you kind of, God gives you understanding of where everybody is, what they need, and you lead them as such. And you need to also understand that about your brother and sister. You're around them. You you can't be around your brother and sister and your head stuck in the cloud. You got to know where your brother and sister is in Christ. You don't have to tell them, you you, you know, you're not living right. You just know where they are. And treat them as such. (laughs) Oh boy, that was funny. And so, some of us are strong in the faith and are not easily shaken by sensitive topics or rules that are contrary to our understanding. Others are not so strong and could fall because of sensitive discussions or rules that may be offensive to them. Young converts often have a special delicacy or sensitivity or sensitiveness about the lawful of many things in relation to which older Christians may be more fully established. To produce peace and harmony, there must be kindness, tenderness, and faithful teaching, not denunciation or harshness on one side or the other. The Apostle Paul started out addressing this issue of Christian liberty by talking about the difference in food that some of the Christians had eaten. 
what some of them ate. And I just made clear to you that Brother Henry loved to eat pork. I don't even get close to the pork. But that ain't going to separate us because that's my brother. That's not going to ever come between us. That's my man. That's my friend. And so the bottom line is we can't allow our differences to separate us. We can't allow because I eat this and you eat that, we're separated. Or you like this and I don't like that, and we're separated. We are the children of God, the body of Christ, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to understand that and treat each other as such. Freedom in eating and drinking is good, but this is not the highest good which Christianity has to bestow. For the kingdom of God is not eating, eating and drinking, but as we know, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we can't allow these simple things that we do to separate us because every one of us do not do the same things outside of Christ. The man who is in his zeal to establish the right to eat or drink on the right to wait for, let me say that again. The man who in his zeal established the right to eat or drink. You have to ask yourself, why do I have a zeal for such a thing? Why do I have a zeal in worrying about what we eat, what we drink? Why do I have a zeal for these things that are, that, that, that are probably not according to doctrine, but I have a lot of zeal for that? Where is that zeal coming from for that particular thing? We have to ask ourselves that. And so, we in this church have come a ways where we have been challenged in such a way where a good portion of this congregation are struggling with wearing masks and another portion is wanting to wear masks. And so this lesson tonight will help us when I'm done to know where we all stand about that. Mm-hmm. You're all quiet, but it's okay. Listen, when we have a zeal to worry about what we should eat or not eat, we better be careful. Because when we care not how much that disturbs somebody else's peace, we better be careful. If, if what you want, you want it so bad that you don't care what somebody else thinks, be careful. If what you want, you want it so bad that you don't care what anybody else is going through, you better be careful. What you want, you want it so bad that you don't care if it diminishes the joy of somebody else. What you want, you want it so bad that you don't care how much it undermines the blessings of others. We have to stop and say, well, hold on, wait a minute. That is a responsibility that will fall on me, that if we can't figure it out and, and know what to do, then i got to go to the Word of God so God can help us to know what we need to do. 
We can't place the minor above the major. The subordinate above the supreme. In seeking good, we can be sure we can miss what is best in the kingdom. And so it's wonderful to say we need to be sure we're doing this and doing that. But when it interferes with the kingdom, when it interferes with other people's relationship with God, when it interferes with other people in how they worship and how they live for God, we have to stop and say, I care. I remember we have this discussion at times and a lot of women don't want to have anything to do with this. And that's fine. Well, men too. And that's fine. But in God's eye, he does care about this. And that is if the clothing we wear is going to expose us to the place where it tempts someone else, we're wrong. Yeah, I know. But what we want to say is, it's my clothes. And here's what we add on. I can't help it if they weak. But the bottom line is, as Christians, you have to be concerned with what your actions do to somebody else. And the moment you don't care about that, I will tell you this as nicely as I can. Your soul is in jeopardy. Your soul is in jeopardy the moment you begin to say, I don't care what they, even when I'm doing according to what the word of God says, if you bring to my attention is that I offend you and I'm doing something godly, you know what my deal is? Because we just read the scripture that tell us, I need to sit down with you and try to teach you why I'm doing it so you understand it. Not say, please, I'm, I'm, I'm in the scripture, I'm Bible, what is, what's this problem? That's not wise, it's not smart. If you're doing something that's right in doctrine and somebody's offended by it, still go to them and try to work with them. Don't just ignore them and say, that's your business. They should grow up or they should know the scripture. We can't live for God like that. We have to care about everybody. Judge not. The first issue we face when we judge each other is this. Judgment belongs to the Lord Jesus, not us. The omniscient one is the only competent judge. Man is not competent to judge. All right, you're quiet, and I know where some of you are going. Let me help you with this. We can judge by the word of God and by the spirit of God. So if a human being find themselves in a position of judging, you're not judging according to who you are. You will judge according to what the word says and what the spirit says, which in actuality ain't you. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus says the Holy Ghost is me. You receive the spirit of Jesus when you receive the Holy Ghost. So if you're judging according to the spirit and by the word, Really, God is doing the judging. So if you want to say you, we can judge only by his word and his spirit, not according to what you think. You can't start going about, well, I think you think what? 
You don't have the right to judge anybody. The word will judge you. The spirit will judge you. But you don't have the right to judge anybody. So none of us are qualified to judge because in order to be a just judge, you have to be omniscient. You have to be all knowing. There's only one that's all knowing. So we can't be a, 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 a judge, a righteous judge, if we are not omniscient. So we can't judge. We're not qualified to judge. Come see me if you have a problem with that. We'll expound on it a little bit more. The other issue we have in judging others is this. We all will have to give an account of ourselves unto the Lord With that in mind, it would be awfully unwise for us to be judging each other because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. I don't want to judge nobody because I know I'm flawed and I know that I can't judge properly. I know I don't have what it takes to be a just judge. So I'm not going to judge because the moment I judge, I am going to judge a wrong judgment. And if I judge a wrong judgment, then the wrong judgment going to come my way. So I'm good. You keep the judgment. You run with it. I'm good. I don't want to have nothing to do with judging nobody. Matthew 7 and 1 says, judge not. That ye be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you make, it shall be measured to you again. I'm good with judging. Because you're going to be judged just the way you judge. And just understand that you're going to be flawed in you judging someone. And if you judge someone with flaws, you're going to get judged with flaws. God does not hold us responsible for our brother's action, but he does hold us responsible for our influence upon our brother. He doesn't hold us for our brother's action, but he will hold us for our influence. Our opinion must never usurp truth and love. In case you missed that, whatever opinions or conviction we have, if it usurps truth and love, you better let that conviction go. You better let that opinion go because nothing's supposed to trump truth and love. So if we feel convicted by something, I've said this and I've seen this before, even with pastors, Maybe God convicted us about something personally and we stand in God's sacred desk here and start telling the church, well, y'all need to be doing that. And that had nothing to do with the church. God just convicted that man about something and he brought it before people. Because whatever you're bringing as a conviction or as an opinion, it cannot trump love and it cannot trump truth. And sometimes we don't care how we come across as long as we come across. And we don't care if it's truth and we don't care if people get offended. Christianity is satisfied with no standard but that of love. We cannot do things as Christians and it doesn't come from a place of love. Every motive, as a matter of fact, true repentance is about your motives. True repentance is about your motive because many of us, we read in scripture as well, many of us know how to do things outwardly that is right. 
But how many times we have done things outwardly that is right, but in our heart, that's not what we felt. In our heart, that's not what we wanted. In our heart, we're not in agreement with what we've done. And God is the one that judges the heart. So when we do things that seems good on the outward, best believe God is judging what's on the inside, not what you just did for everybody to see. So it's important that we come to understand that we we must do everything out of love from a position, from a motive of love, not from a position of, oh, I'm just going to do the right thing. No, we need to do the right thing because we're doing it out of love. I cannot therefore be just in 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 a Christian sense unless I have love. Neither can you. Whatever we're doing, it must come from a place of love. Again, if what I'm telling you that I'm not in agreement with or you need to be doing, I better ask myself and ask you, well, how do you feel about that? We cannot just want to tell people this is what I do and you need to be doing it too and don't care about what they feel and what they think. I cannot say this enough, church. Your point of view, your POV is not more important than your neighbor's. Your POV is not more important than your brother or sister. Stop it. Don't do it. Don't let yourself fall trapped to that. Your point of view is not the most important point of view. And that's the trick that we, the trap that we have to make sure we don't fall into because that's when we become offended because people are not doing what we want them to do. We become offended when people don't do what we want them to do. And the question really starts with, where do you get that from? That's something in you. You are the one that's thinking they should do what you are doing. Well, why do you think that? And you have a great reason, and that's fine. But if you go and have a discussion with them, they have a great reason for why they're not doing it. Every husband and wife that you counsel that have a marriage issue, I... It's, it's so, it's so, it's, it's, you just know it will always be the case. You sit down and you pick anyone, talk to me. And they go on, well, you know, my husband is blah, 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 blah. She can go on and go on. And I smile in my mind and I says, okay, brother, you go on. And you know what he says? Well, because she did blah, blah, blah. That's why I'm blah, blah, blah. It never fails. We react to one another. And so one party is saying, I'm doing this. And the other party is saying, yeah, I'm doing this because she's doing this or he's doing this. So we're always reacting to somebody doing something that we don't like. And the bottom line is we got war going on because nobody wants to say, I surrender. Do what you got to do and I will work with you or we'll work together in making sure we're all good. We got war because you're saying, please, I know what I'm doing is the right thing. How do you know that? The only time we can say that is when we're talking doctrine. When we're going to say, I know I'm doing the right thing. Doctrine. Doctrine. But if we're just talking about convictions, if we're just talking about uh, just, 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 you know, things that occur in life, we cannot know for sure that we're doing the right thing. So let's ease up on each other. Do you? It's okay, but don't be mad at somebody else when they do themselves. My approach 
must not be what is good for me alone, nor what is good for my brother alone, but what is best for all. When 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 our world was going crazy about how we were treating one another, I said, I agree. We need to treat each other better. But what I don't agree with, stop making your point of view more important than somebody else's. You can't make your situation more important than somebody else's. I don't care how it looked to us. Whatever our resolution should be or is as Christians, it should be to reach everybody, not just reach somebody. Anytime your solution isolates, anytime your solution divides, it cannot be the right solution. So a lot of times we come up with these solutions, but when we implement them, it divides. But if we will pray and if we will just start from the position of love and truth, it won't divide as much. I understand that some people just want to be contrary to everybody. Some people are just like that. They're just contrarians. They don't care. If you say left, they say right. If you say up, they say down. They can't help themselves. That's just what they are. So I'm not talking about those people, but I'm talking about if we will all be concerned with each other on different things that happen and say, let's work together for the good of everybody. We will come out so far ahead, but we always want to work for our good and not for the good of everybody. Anytime we start talking and it just my group or me, that person not in a good place spiritually. Anytime you're you're having discussions or you're trying to work problems through and it and it and it benefits you or your group and nobody else, it cannot be godly. It's just like I said, you can't be a blessed person and you're the only one that's blessed. Because when God blesses us, it flows over and other people around us get blessed. So if we are blessed, others will bless from our life. So why would we want to always have things our way? Selfishness. I forgot who, who quote this is, but this is not my quote. A man is called selfish, not for pursuing his own good, but for neglecting his neighbor's good. Nobody's telling us not to be successful, not to pursue what you need to pursue. But when you neglect to help somebody else and care about somebody else's good, then you're selfish. It's not good for us to just want our way. I'll say it again. Selfishness is a man. Selfishness represents a man uh, that, that is pursuing his own good, but neglecting his neighbor's good. We demonstrate Christian liberty when we avoid offending others. We demonstrate Christian liberty when we respect the conviction of others. We demonstrate Christian liberty when we deny self and lift up others. <laughs> we promote Christian liberty by guarding against reproach. 
We promote Christian liberty by esteeming spirituality above other things. We cannot put the things of our desires and and convictions above spiritual things. And so when you have to make a decision that interfere with something spiritual, you don't want to touch it. Don't do that. Don't make a decision that's going to compromise you spiritually or compromise somebody else spiritually. Many a times, I know we want to think it's a hard thing, but many a times as Christians, we have to conduct ourselves a certain way, not because we really wanted to, but because we don't want to come off as someone that don't care. We don't want to come off as someone that will misrepresent the Lord and the kingdom. So we live a certain way. Because we want to be a good representation of the kingdom of God. We can't live our life and don't care. It's not just about us. God, his desire is to reach our world, not just you. (laughs) Oh, Lord. We become an opposition to Christian liberty when we become a stumbling block to others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that. That's not me saying that. The Bible says you don't want to become a stumbling block to your brother. Now, how do you know when you become a stumbling block? A lot of times we probably will never know because we just speak our peace and keep it moving. And if it don't go our way, we stop talking. If it don't go our way, we stop showing up. Not, I'm not down. I'm not participating. Why? Because it didn't go your way. And we're, we're, we're bona fide Christians. We become opposition to Christian liberty when we infringe the law of love. Meaning you getting what you want and you don't care what the other person is getting. We become an opposition to Christian liberty when we oppose the work of Christ in others. give you a good one if somebody say to me my wife said this to me she probably said said it for a different reason if someone says to me when you pray you pray too loud and it just bothers me (laughs) if if someone that's on the call she didn't she wasn't saying it for bad reasons that's on the call and so I said, okay. So I decided I'm going to sit kind of far away from my computer in the morning so I, I'm not too loud. I, I want to be loud enough so we can encourage one another when I pray, but I don't want to overpower people. And so I took that to heart. Don't, don't pray so loud if it's going to affect and offend other people. Now, I just took the position, please, I'm a man of God. I'm spiritual. I'm praying with power. And you're telling me to slow down and not pray loud? I could have been bogus and try to flaunt some spirituality right there. But you got to care about what happens to people spiritually. I don't care how right you are in what you're doing. If somehow somebody is being affected negatively, go talk to them and see how you can help them be affected positively. Not just go on and be like, please, that's their problem. I'm spiritual. They need to get spiritual. Believers are not to judge one another regarding their convictions 
on matters of opinion. I didn't say matters of scripture. I said matters of opinion. We're not supposed to judge one another on those things. We have opinions. And back to what I'm talking about when we talk about face covering, we have opinions. And if we don't want to be honest with ourselves and believe that if you get today, if you get Fauci up here and you get some other scientists up here and have them argue their point, we will all leave confused. Because we don't really know. We've done the best that we can. But we cannot allow our opinions on what we think. If we down with Fauci or we down with the other dude, we cannot allow that to separate us. That cannot separate us. We have to know that if it's an opinion, if it, it cannot be law in a Christian person's life. If, if, if something is, is just a conviction or we're not sure or whatever it is, because we're not. Some things is true and some things is not. But at this juncture, we have to be honest with ourselves and say, we don't really know and we don't have all the facts. So let's not make somebody out to be wrong if they decide they don't agree with us. Even when people decided it wasn't taking the vax, I didn't beat nobody over the head. Because this is not biblical. This is not biblical. This is not doctrine. Now, I know it comes sometimes we have to be safe, and I'm cool with that. And when it becomes law, then you, you have to deal with it as such because the Bible says we must obey the laws of the land. And so when it becomes law, we got to go with it. But if it becomes an opinion, if it becomes a conviction, then we have to let each other just live the way we feel we need to live. Here, Paul directs his word to the strong believers, explaining that they need to be sensitive about how their convictions affect other believers. Because this is important to me, what I'm telling you tonight. God is going to send us so many new converts. And if we walk around as strong believers, just putting what we feel our conviction on the new converts, they're not going to say how you think so? If you don't know about soul winning, I can tell you about soul winning. I've won souls to the Lord. So if I got to tell you straight like that, I'm going to tell you. And the way how you win souls is by loving people and wait for them to grow. And when they get to a place of asking questions, then you help them. You cannot give them meat to eat when they only can drink milk. So all that, when everybody starts talking, don't get me started because you're going to have me say, tell me who you have won to the Lord. Because when you're winning people to the Lord, when you're ministering to people, it takes a lot of sensitivity. It takes a lot of, of just being loving and kind and tender. You cannot win people to the Lord and just be harsh. So we better learn this now because when we get into the new place, God is going to send us people and we better not run them off. We better not run them off because of our convictions. Where is the word of God? That's what we need to teach them, not our convictions. Help us, Lord. We got to win souls. God has not given us this building so we can say we have a big building so we can just have one service on Sunday morning. That's not why we're going into this building. 
we're not going into this building to say, man, we good now. We, we can just chill. No, he has given us a bigger facility so we can reap his harvest and bring more people in and train them up and send some of them out to go start churches. That's why he's given us a bigger place. Not for us to say we got a bigger place. Because we, we, we know that, that God is wanting to reach our world and he wants to work through us. But we have to really see that and not think that we're just getting a bigger place just to have a bigger place. Pray that God send us sinners. Not, not people that's already saved. We don't want people that's already saved coming because now, oh, you heard they got a nice little spot. We don't want those people coming. We don't want people that's already apostolic, that's born again. We want people that are lost. People that are unsaved, that's who we want to come in. We must be careful to not put any stumbling block or obstacle in our brother's way. Both strong and weak Christians can cause their brothers and sisters to stumble. We got people coming in. I spoke to Brother Daryl's father Sunday, and um, he kid with me. He says, man, that was a wonderful message. You almost had me. <laughs> and what he meant by that was him and his wife, he goes with his wife to another church. And so for Sunday, he came with his son to church, and his wife went to her church. But in his heart, the word was reaching him to the point where he ready to say, man, I need to make this my church. That's a challenge for him because, you know, him and his wife go to church together. But what's going to win him over is how we're going to love him, not, not how we put our convictions on him. It's how we're going to love him for him to say, honey, I think we need to change church. If we love him the right way, he's going to tell his wife, I think we need to change church, honey. I know you've been going here for years, but I like it over here where Daryl go. But if we're going to start our junk, new converts see through that stuff, man. They see through junk. We can't give them junk. A stumbling block or obstacle refers to something that might cause someone to trip or fall into sin. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, when we start pushing our will on other people, it makes them start get upset. And when we get upset, the devil come by and, and start pointing out all that person's flaw to us. Yeah, they, you know what? And remember, they always have something to say too anyway. Now, all it started out with was just disagreement on things that are convictions and stuff like that. And before you know it, the devil is whispering in somebody's ears to tell somebody, yeah, that person is no good. Yeah, that person, they do this and they do that. And before you know it, you have some ought against your brother or sister. And it started out with somebody trying to push their conviction over somebody else's conviction. The strong but insensitive Christian may flaunt his or her freedom, be a harmful example, and thus offend other and their conscience. The scrupulous but not so strong Christian may try to fence others in with petty rules and regulations 
thus causing dissension. So whether you are a strong Christian or a not so strong Christian, we have to refrain from our conviction, putting them on other people. It's okay to have your own conviction. Remember, I told you years ago, one of my conviction was I did not wear any short sleeve shirt. That was my conviction. I never told anybody that. It was years after it wasn't a conviction anymore, and I felt like, okay, it's okay now. But before I was convicted in my heart, I didn't say it was doctrine, and I didn't go around telling anybody, yo, bro, you don't need to be wearing no short sleeve shirt. I didn't tell anybody that. I did that on my own. That was my conviction. And that's how our conviction need to be. If you feel strong about it, God might have told you that. Take it, but don't go put it on somebody else. If God gave you a conviction on how you need to carry yourself, what you need to do, take it and do it. It's okay, but don't let somebody else feel like they need to do it too. I believe a lot of churches get in trouble like that when the pastor come about and put his conviction on the church. If God says, pastor, this is what I want you to tell the church. And it can be a conviction, but I need to know that God wants it for the church instead of just for me. So we have to weigh that as leader, as a leader, as a minister. We have to weigh that what we are hearing from God. Is it for us or is it for the body? All right. Because. We are all strong in certain areas. We have to realize that some of us are strong in this area, but weak in that area. We're all strong and weak in different areas. And that's another reason why we cannot put our conviction on other people. So what you are, an area that you're strong in, I might be weak in it. Area that I'm strong in, you may be weak in it. So we, we can't just impose our conviction on other people because we don't know where they are in that particular situation. We constantly need to monitor the effects of our behavior on others. We constantly need to monitor the effects of our behavior on others. You can't let it pass you. You can't let it slip you. You have to monitor your behavior. You have to say, man, did I offend that person? Did I affect them in a negative way? We need to leave our brother or sister to be free to his or her conscience if it's not a sin. So if what somebody feels is not a sin, just let them be. Don't argue with them about it. Just let them be. Don't be an instrument of offense, a stumbling block to your brother or sister. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, the Bible says, Apostle Paul again, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. So here's the deal. Whether people save or not save, we're supposed to do our very best to not offend them. And if you know you offend somebody, you should not walk away from them. You should say, did I offend you? And straighten it out right on the spot. Verse 33, even as I 
please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. The Apostle Paul is saying, I'm not trying to get my own way. I want everybody else to be blessed. And so I say all that to say this. As far as our uh, mass situation in this church, as of today, mass is optional. If you want to wear it, wear it. If you don't want to wear it, don't wear it. And let's not fight about it. If you feel uncomfortable for a minute here because of what I'm saying, that you need to stay home, I hear you. It's up to you. But what I'm not going to do is I've been in tighter spots than this. I've been in many places since we have been trying to get back to normal that I feel like I put myself more in jeopardy there than I do here. And so I can't stand on my two feet here before you tonight and say, well, we just need to keep. I can't do that. I don't think that's right. And I can't. I, I told I don't know. I was saying something might have been to my wife. I was saying I just, I, what I can't do is, no, Brother Scarlett, I was talking to you, I was telling Brother Scarlett, I said, listen, I am not here to get my way. Watch my life. I want you to watch my life. You're going to watch it because I'm here. But I don't, I'm not here to get my way. I'm here for the will of God to be done, not for my way. There is going to be things, and y'all have already done it, and you might not even know, there are things that you wanted to do in this church that I didn't want to do, but you wanted to do it, and it wasn't a sin so why was I going to get all riled up and say, well, I don't think we need to do that in this church. It's never about what I want. It's about what's best for all of us. And so we need to really get ourselves in line with just God's spirit leading us and realize that if 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 we have a conviction about something, we don't need to beat somebody else in the head and say, oh, that's wrong, except it be for sin. Except we're going against the doctrine, we need to respect each other convictions. If you, this, this shouldn't even affect us in any way because if you believe in wearing a mask, nobody's telling you not to wear the mask. Wear your mask. But give some people a break that decide that their nose are running. I, I laughed about this the other day because, because when you, for some of us, when we wear the mask, you might think we got the virus more than um, anything else because our nose start running and we start coughing because of stuff under. So all of us got stuff going on. Give everybody a break. Don't be so mad at everybody. It's not, listen, it's not, it, you know, I wouldn't bring us to this point to say, uh, you know, um, let's do that if I didn't think that, you know, uh, God is directing us and I didn't think that it was dangerous. I'm not telling, listen, Corona not going nowhere. It's never going anywhere. It's no different than all of our diseases that we that came up. They're not going anywhere. So the bottom line is we got over some of the stuff that came. It's still here. You know, uh, we, we ignored um, flu shots for many years. I know for many years I'm like, I don't want no flu shots. But but when flu came out, people, people, people were, you know, same thing. And after a while, it was just like, whatever. But people still were getting their flu shots. I am. I am not a doctor. I'm not trying to be one. I am not trying to overstep my bounds in the medical area. All I'm saying is these are convictions that we have. And I'm concerned that we can be hurting each other. And I'm concerned that people could be getting offended. And before you know it, that we, you know, we sin and we fall. And the bottom line is we need to stay together. This was a difficult 
lesson I had to teach tonight because I realized that what we are doing, I don't need us to be separated. I need us to come together. But what I'm teaching could cause us to decide I got an issue. And so some may have an issue, but I can't not do what God wants me to do. And what God wanted me to do was to teach you all because we're going to have more of this. And we have to be mature that when we come into just these different things and challenging things, when we sit down and we reason, when we sit down and we talk, we have to do it as mature Christians so we don't offend one another. So I can say to you, I don't agree with what you're saying, but you know what? I'm okay with it because... It's okay for you to do what you're doing, and it's okay for me to do what I'm doing. If we're not sinning, if we're not practicing, you know, you know, messed up morals, then just let each other be. We're not doing anything to hurt each other intentionally. And so just understand this. What Paul taught them was don't let meat separate you. Don't do that. If that person want to eat meat that's unto idol, that's fine. That's what he was teaching them. Just don't worry about it. Just as a matter of fact, what Paul teach, I remember Paul said in the word, um, when I go to Rome, I try to be like the Romans because I'm trying to win them to the Lord. That's what I mean by if you're really into soul winning, you really hear what I'm saying tonight. But if you're not one that wants to reach souls, you, you kind of don't want to hear what I'm saying. But if, if you want to reach soul, you understand. Paul says, here's this quote, I became all things to all men that I may win some. That's the word of God. And so if we're going to reach the world, there are some things that we're not going to like, but we need to do it because we don't want to offend people. We want to win people. We want to reach people and we want to let people know that we love them. And you can't love somebody when you're forcing them to do what you want them to do when it ain't even scripture. It's times when people won't even do what scripture says and you don't beat them over the head because you sometimes they just didn't get the revelation. I remember one person I won to the Lord. I want her at work and God had given me the revelation of one God at work and I was just so excited about it. And I was so excited. I'm trying to teach this sister the one God. And she's like, okay, okay. And she just trying to go with the flow like she knew. She didn't know it. She didn't get the revelation. And then the day came when she got the revelation. And she ran and came and told me, I know now I got it. Because guess what? When God gave me my revelation, that was my revelation. So sometimes we're teaching the word of God and people don't get it right away. Some people have gotten baptized in Jesus' name and didn't understand why. But later on they realize, oh, that was the right baptism. So it takes a while sometimes for us to realize what the word is saying to us. Well, if that's the word of God, what should we do about convictions? That's not the word of God. Christian liberty, we have to give each other the freedom to grow in Christ. We have to give each other the freedom to to explore the things of God and not just make everybody feel shut down like, well, you know that's a sin. You know that ain't right. You know that's ungodly. We we can't do that to each other. Everybody needs a different opportunity or different opportunities to grow. Everybody needs to grow differently. All plants don't grow the same way. So we all have to grow in a, in, a, in a way that God wants us to grow. And so we need to make sure that we do that. Last scripture I'm going to give to you tonight. Check this out. Psalms 119, 165. Psalms 119, 
165. You real Christian? Here we go. Great peace have they which love the law. And nothing shall offend them. Mm -hmm. The only way you won't be offended is if you love the word of God. Is, Is if you love the word of God. And the first thing is we must love. We love him because he first loved us. That's what we lead with. We lead with love. And so if we are going to live our life and we live it in love, then we will delight ourselves in the law, the word of God. And when we do that, guess what? We will deal with each other differently and we won't get so easily offended. And so I pray tonight that this scripture will stick with you so you won't be offended with me for what I just went ahead and taught you about. Don't be offended with me. I want you to grow in God, and I don't want you to impose your conviction on others. If your conviction is, I don't think I need to wear a mask, then that's your conviction. Don't go around telling nobody. Don't try to get no fans to follow you. Don't go get your own fans. And if you think that you need to wear the mask, then you don't go get your own fans either. You just wear your mask and do your thing, and let's not worry about what each other does. And if you feel like, you know what, I'm uncomfortable with all that, then maybe you want to chill a little bit. I'm going to trust because I feel like, I feel like, I feel strongly that I heard from the Lord because the Lord wanted me to talk about this. You want some transparency? The Lord wanted me to talk about this before now. And here is my response to the Lord. Lord, we in a building project. I don't want to get nobody upset. They start leaving and, you know, we put ourselves in a bad spot where we can't afford the building. That's me. Transparent. Yeah, you're going to get everything you're you going to get. And so I'm, 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 I'm not wanting to talk about that. Lord, I don't want to lose nobody right now. That's not good. But the Lord impressed upon my heart. If you have confidence in me and your faith is in me, what are you worrying about that for? So I had to come teach this to you so you don't so you're not divided because you are getting divided. And some may have been divided already, but you were getting there. And the Lord did not want us to be divided at this time. So I brought you sound doctrine tonight. Sound doctrine. Brother Bradley. That's a that's a broad question, brother. There's there's as I said, the the best thing I can say is what I said here earlier, which is people have obeyed without understanding. Many people have followed the word of God without understanding it. Everybody else around them was doing it. So it was easy for them to just do it. But they didn't have understanding. 
That's the first place I would start by all of the other stuff that take place. I believe that people just fell in line. They never really got it. And so it's not until they get a revelation. Somebody told me a story the other day, and it blew my mind. I'm going to, I can say this in front of you. I'm going to give you this, and let's stand. We're going to close. Let me tell you what I just heard the other day. You remember the scripture that Acts chapter 3, and Peter and John was going to the temple, and the lame man was at the temple gate, and arms, 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 and he said, Peter said, silver and gold. Well, there's a preacher in Texas right now that his congregation, he told them, now he didn't tell them to follow him, but he told them he's going to stop wearing jewelry. Because if they said to Peter and John, if Peter said to them silver, he said, I don't want no silver and gold on me because I want to be able to say silver and gold have I none either. I'm not going to teach that in this church. I just want to give you an example of how things work, that we got to really start respecting each other because we don't know what God is convicting people of. We don't know how God is working in people's life. So I'm sharing that with you, not to tell you we're going to do that. I'm sharing it with you to say you don't know what God is dealing with people on and you don't know where they are. How many people have looked deeply in the word of God and said that's what it means? It means don't wear no jewelry because when Peter and John was going to the temple, guess what? When the man asked them for alms, they said, silver and gold have I none. So it's best to live your life without silver and gold. I don't know if I get that. But I believe God may have give him that, given him that um, revelation and, and he's convicted by it and he lived his life by that. So we, what we have to do? Doctrine. And when God gives us conviction, it's for personal reasons. When God give me a conviction to say, Wayne, this is for Christ-centered church, I will let you know. But all the other conviction he give me, that's for me. And I hope you do the same. When you get your conviction, that's for you. That shouldn't offend us. That shouldn't get us up in arms. That should make us just understand, I need to respect you as well as I know you will respect me. That's all it really comes down to. Let's respect one another and let's love one another. We can't go down the road of thinking that, well, you do what I want you to do. So, okay, so you right and I'm wrong, huh? Because that's really what you're saying. There's so much behind that stuff and we don't even realize that. There's so much behind it, but I'm going to leave it right there. If y'all have any questions, yes, sir. Okay. 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 All right, we'll pray for Brother D leaving. Yes, Sister Henry, all right, not not feeling too good in the body. Okay, we'll pray for Sister Henry. Sister Stacy, that God will touch her and help her spiritually. All right, well, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, it is your will that we're endeavoring to do, not the will of man. And Lord, we don't want to put our agendas and our conviction above your word and above love. And so I pray that you will help us tonight, that the word that has gone forward tonight will help us. And that we will become doers of the word. Lord, help us that we will receive this word tonight, 
mixed with faith and not just hear the word of God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the power of God will move on every one of us and that, Lord God, we will humble ourselves before you and trust you and that, Lord, we will allow your will to be done in our life. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for bringing us together, for giving us your word, Lord God. We're so grateful and thankful for the word of God, for when we don't know what to do, Lord God, the word tells us, Lord God. And so we're thankful for the word of God. Now, Lord Jesus, help us to apply it in our life, Lord God, to be holy and righteous and to live out the word of God according to your will, Lord Jesus. I pray tonight for Brother Darrell that you will touch him in his body from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. I pray healing virtue to flow and that, Lord God, you will touch him and make him whole and, oh God, eradicate pain and ailments, Lord God, and give him the strength he needs in his body, Lord God. I pray tonight for Sister Henry that, Lord, your healing virtue will flow in her body and that you will eradicate sickness and ailments and disease, Lord God, and that, Lord, by your stripes she will be healed and be made whole in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for Sister Stacy, Lord. I come against every principality and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. I come against the work of the enemy that is trying to prevent her from serving you and live for you. I pray, Almighty God, that you'll deliver her and set her free from the bondage of the enemy and from the strongholds of Satan. Oh, God, I pray that the power of God will overshadow her. Will you stir up the gift that's inside of her, that she will be overcome by the power of God. Draw her back unto you, Lord God, and give her the strength, Lord Jesus, to serve and live for you. Lord, strengthen us as a church, as individuals, that we may grow in maturity, Lord God, and do the will of God. I thank you tonight for bringing us together, and I pray in the strength of God, the blessings of God upon this church, individually and collectively. Have your way in us, Lord. As we go from this place tonight, will you keep your hand upon us, Lord, that your will be done. We thank and praise you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Somebody thank the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Don't forget, if you have offering tonight, give unto the Lord. Give to reach. Give to the building fund. Give an offering. God bless you. Have a great rest of your night.